When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're talking real money. What? Did you think it was over (laughs) after the past few days? You thought it was done going down? No, 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 no. That's not what stock markets do, particularly not in times like these. And these are really unique times. As a matter of fact, this really is different. You know, you hear people say that this time it's different. Well, you know, it's different this time. It's a new market paradigm. Well, you know, it is different this time because every single market crash I've ever studied, and that goes back a ways, was spurred by economic events, by bad behavior, usually by stupidity by laziness, by greed. This one's not. This one was started with a microscopic virus. Really? I mean, I hate to say that I agree with the president because I think he's doing a terrible job handling this whole thing, but but I do agree that this will eventually pass. I just don't think it will pass as soon as he hopes it will pass. It's not going to pass completely. I don't know when it's going to pass. I have no idea. But I do know that this is very, very different. It is unlikely to cause permanent, or nothing causes permanent harm. It's not likely to cause long-term harm to the global economy for a number of reasons. One, because it hit everywhere pretty much equally. And two, because viruses historically tend to go and they go away. And when they go away, it's not going to take long for things to begin to feel normal. And in several years, you're going to look back at this and go, yeah, 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 I don't know why I made such a big deal out of it, except for those people who get really sick and die. Then, then, you know, of course, for them and their families, this was a huge deal. But I'm talking about economically. So the only thing you can do as an investor is just do what you're doing. When you make money, if you're making money, keep investing it. If you're not making money, well, then don't invest it. Just don't change your investments unless you absolutely need it. And then you didn't do it right to begin with. You see, if you're having to sell assets to get through a temporary setback, then your portfolio wasn't properly built to begin with. And I got to tell you, I think this is a problem not for a minority of investment portfolios out there. I think this is a problem for a majority. I think most investment portfolios, this is based on, of course, anecdotal evidence, because I've never done a academically sound study on it. 
But I've seen tens of thousands of people's accounts and talked to many, many thousands more. And what I see almost every single time is a hodgepodge. It's like, yeah, this was hot at the time. My broker liked that. I, I, I thought this was going to go up. And it, it's a mess. You need an emergency fund. Okay. That's for an emergency. And this is one of those times for which an emergency fund is meant. You see, when people say you need to have six months of expenses for a rainy day, this is the rainy day they were talking about. Oh, this is the rainy day. Yeah, this is the rainy day. So you need that. And then if you're looking at your portfolio going, I didn't think it could go down this much then you've been talking to the wrong people because if you've been listening to us, we keep telling you over and over and over again. We told you this throughout all the years we've been doing this podcast that you must expect the market to plunge at times. And if you're a hundred percent in stocks, then you darn well better be ready for a 50% plus decline. If you're all in small cap stocks, well, you, be be you better be ready for an 80% or more decline. If you're not comfortable with those kinds of numbers, hmm, what do you think you should do? Should you keep investing the same way you have been? No. Reduce your exposure to the riskier assets. Ah, but you have to accept something that you don't like, and that is making less money. Sorry, you cannot have wealth without risk. There is so, no such thing as a return, the return of the stock market with no risk, despite what those disreputable slime balls in the insurance industry keep telling you on radio programs and in these steak dinner seminars. If you're hungry and you want a steak dinner, go to the steak dinner and then walk out before the, the pitch starts. Or if they hold it till the end, watch it, walk out before they start signing people up. Don't be afraid to hurt somebody's feelings. This is business. All right? Please hang in. Keep saying that every single time, but you need to hear it. You've got to hang in. There's nothing else you can do. It's already down. How much lower do you think it can go? And if you said 100%, you're wrong. If you said another 20%, yeah, that's possible. Another 30 maybe. So the number is, you know, somewhere between down another 10 or 20% or not down at all, but it's not going to be down a hundred. That's not an option. Remember, you can call in questions, which is a good thing to do before you get into something that you may not like. You can call us with questions at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255, or you can send them in via TalkingRealMoney.com. That's our cool podcast and all-purpose website where you can even go in. Let's say you're looking at your portfolio and you're like, I didn't do this right. We'll set up an appointment with one of our advisors. They're working at home. Make them work a little harder. <laughs> they do it all online, and uh, they'll help you go through this. Even if you don't become a client, they really will. Now, they're not going to become your advisor for free. I keep saying that. You know that's not true. Nobody's going to work for you for free. You're not a charity, nor are we. And uh, so you can't expect volunteers. But if you do use us 
to manage your money. You'll find we're very reasonably priced in the industry, and uh, we are 100% all the time fiduciaries. All right? Go to TalkingRealMoney.com. Check it out. Now let's go to a TalkingRealMoney.com question. And, oh, my gosh, we have a lot of them. The subject? Paying off a mortgage. Dear Don, recent events have prompted this letter. I depart ways with your and Tom's philosophy when it comes to paying off the mortgage. Back in the early 90s, our mortgage payment had us very tight financially. So when an inheritance came to us, we opted to refinance and put all of it into the house. I understand if you are going to be in a house for less than five years, this would not be wise. With our new mortgage payment manageable, we were able to pay double house payments until the house was paid off. Why? The reason is the unforeseen. Should one of us lose our jobs back with the high mortgage payment, the results would have been disastrous. We paid off the house. Our current $6,400 property tax bill pencils out to be $533 a month. Just about any job one could find in these times would pay that. Paying off the mortgage also meant that we were then free to take our former payments and put them into investments. We had no portfolio prior to paying off the house. That was some decades ago, and we're in a good place financially now. Paying off the mortgage meant that we were ready for anything, even COVID-19. Thanks for what you do, Bob. Bob, we don't disagree. But, (laughs) there's always a but. See, I have always said, paying off a mortgage does not make financial sense. Ah, But it does mean emotional sense. And that's what you're talking about. You're talking about emotions. If you had taken that money, and I don't know how much it was, but you said it was many years ago. If you had taken that money and invested it, let's say seven years ago. Well, let's say 10 years ago. You'd invested it 10 years ago. You would have had today, if you invested it in a balanced portfolio, you would have had today more than twice as much money as you had then. And it's money that you could get your hands on in an emergency. It's money that should you have some unforeseen gigantic medical bill or uh, something that happens to your family, you could pour money at it. Whereas pulling it out of a house... Well, that can be problematic because if you're in a COVID market like we are now, and I know as one who's trying to sell a house, the market just dried up. I mean, we had a, a buyer and the buyer said, ah, market went down. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm not going to buy it. So there is no one. And it's like everything else in life, Bob. There is no one right answer. The right answer is the one that's right for you. But for others, it may not be right. And for You to tell everybody that it's one way or another is just as wrong as us telling people it's one way or another. Our answers are generally financially oriented, and I will stand by my belief that it is better to have a low-interest mortgage in an environment where you might make 4, 5, 6, 7, even 8% per year on investments because the mortgages are 35 That seems like a good deal financially, not emotionally necessarily. But thanks for the note. I really, really appreciate it. Now, let's take 
a uh, previously in Puyallup, but now up in the mountains over by Cleelum. And you've answered a few of my questions before. I was uh, blessed to be able to go to retire meet, which was awesome. Can't thank you guys enough. Uh, unfortunately, I dropped about 100K into the market on the Thursday before retire meet. Couldn't have picked a worse day, but, you know, is what it is. It was pretty well diversified across the Merriman recommendations. So uh, mostly in small cap, small cap value, emerging markets, international, that kind of thing. So obviously I've taken a beating in the last uh, month or so. But, and yeah, that's fine. But out of that 100K, uh, 20K of it, which is kind of my emergency fund, uh, went into VBTLX, so the Vanguard total bond market. And at first, when we started taking a beating in the market, the bonds were going up pretty well. And, but in the last two weeks, whether the market's having a good day or a bad day, um, that bond market has just continued to go down. And when I've got people asking me about it, I want to be able to speak intelligently to it, but I'm unable to. And so probably a pretty remedial question, but would love your insight. I know there's not an inverse relationship. There is a relationship between the market and bonds, but I don't think it's causal. Um, I think, uh, uh, you know, causation doesn't equate, or correlation doesn't equal causation. So, I want to be able to speak intelligently to it, but I, I need to understand kind of what influences the bond market, um, what drives it to go up, what drives it to go down. Um, you know, very often if there's a down market day, the bond market goes up. Uh, and so there's kind of a relationship there, I think, but I don't understand all the different, um, you know, the different facets that can impact that. And I would like to better understand that. And, and uh, it comes up enough that there may be some other listeners that would like to as well. So anything you could tell me would be greatly appreciated. Uh, thanks very much, and keep up the great work. Wow. Did that phone quality improve there at the end? Congratulations on your move to the mountains. That's something I'm in the middle of doing, although my mountains are a little smaller than your mountains because they're East Coast mountains. Thanks for attending Retire Meet. Glad you did. My, how the world has changed since retire meet. It seems like years ago, doesn't it? You know, we were hardly thinking about coronavirus a month ago. And now, oh, what a different world. Sorry about the timing, but as you said, that's life. The bond question. Now, and by the way, just, you know it. You know what I'm going to say. Just hang tight. Good question on the bonds. Because bonds did some wacky things as soon as this started. And your question came in last week. I was just still, I'm getting through them. Um, Vanguard, the Vanguard Total Bond Market Index is an interesting example of the dichotomy in the bond market. See, you have different kinds of bonds. Actually, it's more like a trichotomy or a quadcotomy. Uh, you have different kinds of bonds. In the Vanguard Total Bond Index, your bonds are government, about half the portfolio, and corporate for about half the portfolio. Government bonds in an environment where people are scared to death do really well. And they have. It's just that your portfolio is not entirely government bonds. The corporates get battered. And I've been saying this for years. Oh, they seem perfectly safe. Uh-uh. Do you remember corporations can go bankrupt? 
That was the fear. That still is the fear. Now, at least that doesn't have junk bonds, a bunch of junk bonds in it. But the reason it went down for a while was the concern that corporate bonds could get into trouble. So people bid down the price to bid up the yield. Now, that has since changed to some extent. The year-to-date return on the uh, on VBTLX, the Vanguard Total Bond Market Index, is uh, now a little over 2% for the year. So you're in positive territory. It's still well diversified. I think it's still a good place to be because it does give you a slightly higher yield. Think about it. Your yield on that right now is just a hair under 2%. If you were 100% in short intermediate treasuries, you would have less volatility. Actually, you would have even had a bigger increase in the value. But your return right now, what's the return on the 10-year treasury today? I think it's three-quarters of 1%. And one-month short-term treasuries are negative. We have negative returns in the U.S. now. But if you want to know, that's basically what happened. There's a lot more concern about the ability of corporations and by the way, municipalities, municipal bonds, to repay that debt in a, in a crisis like this, should it continue for years, which I eh, don't think it will. But I can't promise anything. Thank you so much for the call. I really appreciate it. It was a good call for a lot of people. And let's do one more uh, written-in question from talking real money from the contact form there. And um, I just have to get into the right file here to find it. There it is. All right. Oh, this is a long one. Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> okay, get, get ready. It's, it's, it's Friday. Okay, here we go. Hi, Tom and Don. It has been such a ride in the market. Thanks for doing frequent podcasts and holding hands at such murky and dark times and helping us let me remind us every single time, this too shall pass. And maybe the only way forward, and maybe the only way forward is the way up. I have always tried to find the bright side in things, however gloomy they may seem. For me, it was the fact that I always mulled that I started investing only in early 2018 when the markets have been very high. Always dollar cost average. 2018 was negative returns. 2019 was stellar. 2020 has been down so far. But now I think the market's are giving me opportunity to invest in times prior to 2018. Uh-huh. I am 38. Ooh. Ooh, you're young. I know you don't feel it, but you are. Trust me. Trust trust somebody who remembers 38 and uh, wishes he probably was still 38 because my joints wouldn't creak. I have taken your risk quiz, almost 100% equity. I have taken about a $350,000 hit till now on my portfolio, which I was always prepared for, and I'm still bracing for further possible declines because I also listened to Paul Merriman, and I always knew the markets can drop anywhere between 50 and 90% with an average of 37% or more in a bear market. My question is, one, I am always in all-stock portfolio. The brokerage account I have is... VTSAX, VTIAX, and small cap growth, international small. In brokerage account two, I'm in VTWAX. In Roth, I'm in REITs. And in a retirement account, I'm in Vanguard Target Date Fund 2065 and small cap value. How do I rebalance or do I need to? 
as I don't have any bonds in my portfolio, oh, as I don't have any bonds in my portfolio, there we go. <laughs> Please note, I do not want to have bonds. Relatively young, endorsed Paul Merriman, et cetera, et cetera. I, buy, I plan to buy and hold for a long time, so I know I'll regain my losses in the future. Okay, let's talk about that. Rebalancing. You don't need to yet. Uh, looking at the, the funds you're in, what you want to do is, van, is, is rebalance about every year or so. Pick a date. Say every year, every two years, whatever that number is. Unless one of your asset classes, small cap value, small cap growth, large cap, any of those, if they get more than 5% away from your target, then you need to make some moves. But I don't see anything. They're, they're all pretty much down comparably, although you may want to take some of the larger cap, like maybe VTWAX or something, and move it into some of the smaller stuff as they are farther down. But I couldn't tell you that without looking at your portfolio and what the percentages are. Do I do tax loss harvesting? How do I do it as my portfolio is simplified and I don't want to buy any index funds for the sake of buying it and my brokerage account has only VTW, all those other ones. So what do I sell? Don't sell. Don't bother. At the, you don't really have anything to tax loss harvest. Uh, re, you're going to rebalance at times. That's going to give you some losses, some gains. You, those will work out over time, but no, this is not for you. Tax loss harvesting is for people who own individual stocks primarily. Three, can you give me some insight into the previous market meltdowns of the past? Like the Great Depression or the 2008 crash. Was the downturn so rapid, so fast and furious? I mean, the Dow's lost 10,000 points, S&P 1,000. Is this how rapid things were in 2008 or any time in the past? No. No. It wasn't nearly, not nearly as rapid in the past. But this is different. Every time it's a little different. In some ways, the past was much worse because it took longer. The 73-74 market, the Great Depression. The Great Depression was just this gigantic train wreck where you had a few investors, very few investors. The vast majority of the world did not invest, and these very few investors leveraged themselves to the hilt. Then some people who shouldn't have even been in the market uh, decided, oh, well, look at all these people getting rich. I'm going to play. And they borrowed 90% of their uh their stocks value to buy more stocks. And so that all melted down and then people panicked and they ran to their bank because they didn't trust their bank and there was no government banking system. And so they pull all their money out and the banks collapsed. It was, it was one thing after another. The world is different now. It's much harder for the, for the economy to collapse long-term, but it is much easier for markets to fall furiously and quickly. Computerized trading and the like. Finally, <laughs> so it's it's abnormal, but normal. Also, please note, I don't have an advisor and don't plan to get one again to be ripped off. <laughs> I'll just let you know, about 1%, about 1% of advisors are supposed to take care of you and probably do, but okay. Sorry for the long post. That's all right. Thanks, Santosh. Thanks, Santosh. I, hope, I think I answered your questions throughout that. <laughs> Uh, that was a long one. All right. Thank you all for listening. I hope you made it through all of that. Glad you're out there listening. Please tell a friend or two or 10 and stay safe, stay healthy. This too shall pass. I'm Don McDonald. Talking. 
Money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now?